All right, Galatians 5 is where we're at, church, so go ahead and open up your Bibles. If you don't have one, grab one from the seat in front of you. If you don't own one, take that and keep it and read it. Uh, we're going to be in uh, the last part of Galatians 5 today. Any fruit lovers out here? Anyone like fruit? Okay, if you're like me, it's not a hard thing to think of fruits that you like, but to try to narrow it down to your absolute all-time favorite fruit. Isn't that hard? Because you get into one season, you're like, oh, it's got to be these. And then you get in a different season, it's got to be those. So let me just take a quick poll. These are some... Here's some ones that seem to be near the top of the list. So maybe not your favorite, because I don't want to cause your brain to hurt this early, but right up there near, how many would say strawberries are right up there near, near the top? Okay. How about blueberries or blackberries, some kind of berries? Okay. Uh, bananas, anyone? Okay. But just consistent, portable. Yeah, it's a good fruit. Now, this was from first service. I never would have dreamt it, but cantaloupe? It was a big hit in first service. Yeah. <laughs> Little Jacob brought up cantaloupe. We had to bring cantaloupe up. All right, what am I missing? Grapes? How about grapes? Anyone like grapes as like a favorite fruit? Okay. Peaches? All right. Peaches. Yeah, pineapple. Aloha. All right. Okay, now, now I'm just getting you hungry, huh? We're in a passage this morning that is, that is really famous. And if you grew up going to church or if you've read the Bible much at all, you've no doubt heard of the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a little danger sometimes in familiarity is that you can... You can know what's coming so well that you just kind of gloss right over it and don't even really think about it. We kind of landed, as we're going through the book of Galatians, we kind of landed right here uh, in this passage this morning on the fruit of the Spirit. And the big idea is this, that God's Spirit produces kind of nine flavors that all come together in this one fantastical fruit called the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at that this morning. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to someone on your left or right, and I want you to say these words. You are in a struggle today. Go ahead. Look to your left and right and let them know. Now, what we know is this. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're in a difficult time at the moment, but what Galatians has been teaching us is this. There are desires that are at war within us at all times. And sitting here in church, there are things of the spirit that the spirit desires and things that the, the flesh desires and that those are in conflict. Last week we looked at all these vices, 15 vices that we saw from Galatians and it was basically walking through the valley, just seeing all the works that the flesh produces. It wasn't the brightest, cheeriest Sunday to talk about those things, but they're real life. And this morning it's walking through the vineyard and whether you're in the vineyard or in the valley, you're in conflict. Sitting right here in church, your body can be right here, your, your body's present, but your mind, your heart, your emotion, your will, those can all be in conflict, can't they? And just these desires we have that wage war on us. Now, valleys are clearly alluring, or else we wouldn't be tempted to go to them and keep going back to them. So valleys are alluring, but they're deceitful. If we could take the 15 vices that, that uh, really he starts in verse 16 with these, and if we could sum up all 15 of them, we could slap the word broken right across it. Because as you see these 15 vices, he separates them out into a few things. Remember this? That God created our sexuality, but sin breaks it. God made us to worship, but our worship is broken. And God built us to be in relationship with, the, with one another and to need each other, but society is broken as a result of the works of the flesh. These over-desires is how you could almost translate that. Desires are not bad. Desires uh, are given to us by God. But when they're over-desires, they lead to, uh, to evil things. Now contrast 
all this brokenness, all the giant boo-boos that those things leave in our lives, contrast that with someone who's walking in the Spirit, someone who's producing the fruit of the Spirit. When you see a life like that, what you see is freedom. You see, uh, you see beauty. You see light. If I could take one word and slap it across these, uh, these nine flavors, so to speak, of the fruit of the Spirit, I would give the word life. The Spirit brings life and is the source of life. It's not just the presence of God that we have living within us, but God's Spirit actually affects every area of our life. So this morning what it is, where we are walking uh, kind of in the vineyard, we're going to kind of assess the fruit of the Spirit and, and look around and, and do that together. Now, I have a friend named Grover. Anyone else have a friend named Grover? Let me see your hand if you know someone named Grover. It's a pretty unique name, okay? I have a friend named Grover, and he, um, he for a long while, he kept inviting me over to come to his place, and he said, I want you and your kids to come check out my place. We've got this, you know, all kinds of things growing there. I think it'd be just a lot of fun. I said, okay. So finally, I, hello? Uh, finally, I just took him, took him up on it, um, and, uh, and I went over there. And as we went walking through his property, Grover sat there and, and told me and my kids all about what makes these different fruits grow. And so he would show, he'd say, this kind of tree right here needs lots and lots of sunlight, so we have it planted right here. Uh, and this one over here, if it got that much, it would shrivel up and die, so we've, we've, got, it, we've got it shaded over here. And he talked about soil conditions and, and temperatures and, and, and when to pick and when to prune. And he gave me just this, this big schooling on all of that. I'm not the farmer nor the son of a farmer, so I didn't know any of that really. And it was really fun to just walk along with him through the fields. But here's what I know a lot about. I know a lot about eating fruit because I love eating fruit. And some of the best fruit I can remember eating is walking with Grover through his, through his orchard and just picking off different things and buffing it off like some old farmer and just biting into that thing and, and having him explain it all to me. Now, even though I didn't know or understand and I couldn't have regurgitated all the things he taught me that day, what he showed me was this. There were some unseen ingredients and situations that were coming together to form something, to produce something. What I could do was this. I could taste the sweetness of the fruit. I could taste the tanginess of the fruit I was eating. And that gave evidence to say, whatever you're talking about, Grover, I believe it because I see the fruit of it. Well, God's teaching us here, as Paul writes this very careful metaphor chosen to say the fruit of the Spirit is this that in the same way that fruit is produced, there are some unseen factors that go on that will produce fruit in your life. And some of those things we take by faith, although he lets us in on what some of those components are. Great tasting fruit grows and shows. It grows God in you. The biblical idea of sanctification is that once we are saved, once we are His, we possess the Holy Spirit, and we spend the rest of our life here on earth growing in Him, Christ forming Himself in us through His Holy Spirit. That's the process of sanctification. That's why when year one of when you became a Christian, you wrestled with a certain number of temptations, you wrestled with all kinds of different things, and you struggled in these areas, and in year five, that's different. You've grown in some things. And Lord willing, if you are 30 years into the journey, you could look back and say, wow, there's whole areas that are so scabbed over and forgotten about. God's just healed those. 
and you're growing and, and walking in the Lord. Some of you know some, some Christians, maybe who've been Christians longer than you've been alive, and, and you read the Gospels and line them up with their life, and there's just a sweetness of the Spirit to them because they've been walking with their Savior for so long. That's the progress of sanctification growing in them. And what does it show? It shows that God is in you. I don't know if you've ever seen a life where you say there's no question where that much life comes from, where those quality traits come from. Those are from God. Those are supernatural qualities that God is on display in that person. All right, let's read this passage. Galatians 5, starting in verse 22, says this. It starts with, but. He's contrasting all those vices, all these things that are works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Would you pray with me? God, this morning we acknowledge that you alone hold the mystery and the keys and the design for growth, both in the plant world and in the character world of our own souls. We know that you delight in creating beautiful things and goodness from dirt. And we celebrate that this morning. God, I pray this morning that uh, we in this room would, would partner with you like a farmer would. And God, that we would cooperate with the things that you're growing in us, even this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, as we stroll through the vineyard, I want you to check out uh, kind of all that's growing. But before we get into the specifics, just a couple of ideas or thoughts to point out. One is this. Any of you ever get that school project where you got the little clear cup and you planted a seed in it and you were to take it home and watch it grow? Anyone ever have that? Okay, so I remember getting that and being hugely disappointed. Because I brought it home. I was really careful. They told me it was, you know, fragile and whatnot. I put it on my windowsill and like 10 minutes later, nothing had changed at all. And what's worse is by dinner time, I mean, I waited all the way till dinner time and it was dark out and still nothing had changed. An entire night went by, I woke up, I came down and looked at it, about ready to chuck the thing because it was broken and nothing had changed. Watching something grow is kind of mundane, right? If you just watch it moment by moment by moment, it's not that spectacular. But something miraculous goes on eventually. Here's why I bring this up. What makes the news in our day is that which is either spectacular or silly. And one of the things that I do as a pastor is I try to read and, and keep up on where, where are people getting their news? What, what are people reading and observing and whatnot? And, and one of those sources is the Associated Press. Associated Press will put out articles and they will kind of spread to different, uh, different news outlets and, and whatnot. And, uh, and this last week I saw that a, that a pastor was in the news for the Associated Press. That always kind of catches my, my eye and attention. I'm always curious to see how culture uh, perceives and paints um, you know, pastors and, and whatnot. And, uh, and here was the article uh, from, from February 26th. It says, Kentucky snake handler death doesn't shake belief. Now it goes on to talk about Jamie Coots, who is a pastor um, of a church in Kentucky. And this pastor would regularly go and handle snakes as a part of their service. And the way that this person gets this uh, belief 
is from, uh, is from a, a passage in Mark. They've taken one passage of Mark, and that's a regular part of their services. Now, I can see the concern on your faces. We are not going this direction. Hear me clearly, okay? There's no snake strapped under your chair. I'm going to have you all reach under and grab it. None of that. But what this guy goes on to say is this. The article explains that believers describe the feeling they get when they are handling snakes. Listen to what he says. He says it's like a high that's greater than any drug or alcohol. It's a feeling of joy, peace, and extreme happiness, which begs the question, is that the normal picture that Scripture paints for us? I mean, is that how we have access to the Holy Spirit? Is that how we have access to these things? Think about the list we just read and the fact that that's a fruit growing in us. He actually goes on to explain a few more things. He says that if the Spirit leaves them, those who are handling snakes, and they don't put it down quick enough, they could get bitten. Now, I have theological problems with that, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God seals us and never departs us, never leaves us. Overwhelmingly, that's what we know to be true. He goes on to explain that one time he had part of his finger bitten off for something bad he had done. That was his discipline. Another time, in ego, he said he didn't put the snake down quick enough. He, the spirit left him, and he kept holding on. So there was all these explanations for why he would get bit. At his funeral, his wife and daughter were handling the same rattlesnake that killed the dad. Now, I would look at all of that and say this. When it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit, remember a few weeks ago when we talked about this? There are camps over here who are charismaniacs, and they are crazy in things of the Spirit. Nothing biblical, nothing remotely sound theologically to what they're talking about. I don't want you in that camp. That's destructive and deadly and life-sapping. However, there's also a camp over here that says this. If I can't explain it, see it, or touch it, it must not be true. Throw away your Bible then. The work of the Spirit and the way that the Spirit moves and works is mysterious, right? The miracle of birth, just figuring out how that seed turns into plant. We can talk about all the chemicals, but there's still mystery to these things. So I want you somewhere not in those two camps, but to say this. The normal picture of fruit growing in your life will not make the news. Some of you this week grew in some measure in self-control by the work of the Holy Spirit. You know what I say to that? Praise God! That's huge! That's a massive thing that the Holy Spirit of God is possessing you and you're growing in your self-control? I mean, is that not cause for celebration? But will someone write a news article on that? Never! If you handle a snake, you'll probably make the news. What about this year, March of 2014? And you look back and think, think where you were in March of 2013 and think, you know what? God's brought me through so many different things. But what I can honestly note, and others have actually even been communicating toward me, is that I'm a more joyful person in 2014 of March than I was one year ago. Praise God. That is God's spirit growing you, working in you. Community group leaders, hear me. This is a part of what gathering as a community group is all about. It's calling these things out in one another. It's stopping and saying, no, that isn't a tiny prayer request. That's a giant cause for celebration. Break out the cupcakes. This is the Spirit of God growing you up to form things in you that wouldn't be there otherwise. 
but sometimes we can miss it because, frankly, watching something grow is just at times mundane and not very glamorous. All right, secondly, I want you to see this, that fruit is mentioned here as singular and not plural. That's a really big thing because what it's saying is this. There are these nine kind of flavors of the fruit of the Spirit that all grow up together. Some of you by nature are really, really patient people, and some of you by nature are not really, really patient people. What's funny is God often makes those two people get married. It's just a kick. Um, But what I'm talking about is this. Sometimes you're naturally patient, but you're not naturally joyful. And when the fruit of the Spirit is growing in you, when it's evidence that God is growing, these grow up collectively, not necessarily in exact equal measure. I don't know how we could measure that anyways, right? But what you notice in a person who's been saved and has the Holy Spirit is their patience now gets redeemed and now has, and now has a Christ-like quality to it, but that self-control or that joy that they never possessed on their own, all of a sudden that's growing up with it. So what you see is you see this fruit growing together in things and not just one individual thing. How many of you eat fruit salad? Any fruit salad eaters out there? Okay, this must have been big in like the late 70s or early 80s because I ate a lot of fruit salad growing up. And I had three brothers, and when you went around and scooped out the the, uh, fruit salad, it was always under the watchful eye of the parents, okay? And the parents had a rule that you had to just scoop. You couldn't be picking out your favorite fruit from the fruit salad, okay? Now, I had my mom in here first service, so this was a little bit of a confession time. But man... I would pick it up and gravity would just help the things I didn't want on there on my way to the plate. And I don't know about you, but like on my scale, little cubes of orange were way, way down. I didn't want the oranges on my plate. That's just going to mess everything up. But if there was a peach in there, you know, little chunks of peach or blueberries or, or if there was strawberries in there, I'm just like, oh, I got to get. And I don't know about you, but I'd always have a mound of fruit salad because I'd go, I'm like, ooh, one more scoop because right there is some more of the good stuff. I bring up fruit salad for a very specific reason. Fruit salad, you can take and kind of pick and choose what you like, right? And focus on that and leave cubes of orange off to the side, right? Some of you orange lovers are all, why you got to hate? You know, love the orange. Okay, I like oranges now, but not my fruit salad. Um, and and that's, that's coming to the fruit of the Spirit by saying love, joy, peace, Patience, kind. Okay, I'm going to focus on these four because I really like these and I'm kind of naturally good at these, but let's not ever talk about these other two or these other four down here. Instead, I want you to think about a smoothie. Okay, here's what a smoothie does. A smoothie takes all those flavors that you might have in a fruit salad and it blends it all up and you drink it into this great, fantastical flavor and you can, you can sort of get a sense of these flavors in there, but you couldn't possibly separate them. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence of God's work in you is that growing in you at all times. Now, I can tell some of you are salivating right now, and if you are a March birthday, today is your lucky day. Would you stand up if you're a March birthday? Come on, stand up. And by the way, we had a lot of March birthdays in first service. We might be talking on Truthful next, uh, ne- next Sunday. Uh, I was like, wow, really? Okay, March birthdays, you guys come over here and line up. My wife is auditioning for that girl at Costco s- handing out samples. <laughs> We call that, we call that a restaurant at, at the Carlson home. We go there. Go ahead and come line up and get your smoothie. Okay? Uh, they are gonna taste this smoothie and, um, and, and they're gonna kinda get to participate in this, um, and, and, and see things. Psalm 34, 8 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in them. 
What I want, uh, what I want them to do is kind of get a little, a little mouthwatering taste of it that will kind of whet the appetite of our soul for this fruit of the spirit and, and get a sense of, of what that's about. All right, let's take a look at these fruit as we, as we go through. You can find them here in Galatians 5.22. Um, love. Love is one of, uh, one of several Greek words for love, uh, that we see in the Bible is the word agape. And the word agape is a different kind of love than some of the other ones that, that are there. It refers to the love of choice and not necessarily an emotional affection. It's not physical attraction. It's not family bond. It's not brotherly love, but rather it's this love of choice. It's the respect and the devotion and the affection that lead to willing self-sacrifice. By the way, in all of these characteristics, all of these flavors that, that we're going to kind of draw out, I want you to think of Christ. I just want you to think about how God gave us his son so that he could walk this earth and we could see these things fleshed out for us uh, in, in living color. Secondly, he talks about joy. Joy is a happiness based on the unchanging divine promises and eternal spiritual realities. It's this deep sense of well-being that says, I and my maker are good because he made it good. There were some broken things, but I'm good with that. You know what joy isn't uh, dependent on then? It's not dependent on our tides, right? Our circumstances. I mean, the tide comes in and out. Our problems come and go. We're on the mountaintop, then we're on the valley, then we're on I-5 driving for hours and hours, and it's just kind of boring, right? That's life. And in all of that, the Christian finds joy. Peace. Peace is the inner calm that results from confidence of one's saving relationship with Christ. Exactly like joy, peace is not dependent on our circumstances. There's a peace that surpasses understanding. People will look at you as a Christian who is growing this flavor of the fruit in you and go, why are you not unraveling? You should be unraveling right now. And you go, man, I can't even explain it other than to say, like the wind moves where it wants to, but you see the effects, so the Spirit is in my life. Some of you have walked through the death of a loved one, the change of a job, some really severe health things, some very severe uh, mental problems, financial problems, uh, past abuses, all kinds of things, and you say, man, I can't really explain it other than to say God has just gifted me with peace about this. The word patience is the idea of enduring injuries that are inflicted by others and the willingness to accept irritating or painful situations. Think about Christ. How often was Christ wronged, mistreated, falsely accused, and he endured it? Kindness. Kindness is tender concern for others. It's reflected in a desire to treat others gently. And this is learned and passed on from our Father. Our Father, it's his kindness that led us to repentance. And as we learn that from our own Father, we, we are able to do that and pass that on to other people in our midst. How about goodness? Goodness is moral and spiritual excellence that's shown by deeds and by words. Do you know that Christians are commanded to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, in a manner of goodness? We're consistently commanded this way. Isn't it a good and loving father who would command his children to do something and then enable them to do it? Wouldn't it be a wicked father that would command us to do something and not give us the resources to walk in those things? 
If you ever wonder what goodness looks like, just look back up at those vices. It's the opposite of all those things, right? Those are the works of the flesh. Those are, those are the cesspool of things, and goodness is, is the opposite of those. Faithfulness is loyalty and trustworthiness. And as you read the scriptures from start to finish, you see this virtue of faithfulness on display, highlighted and shown for us. Our Step of Yes series, remember all the kids' drawings that kind of crept along our wall? This was our giant refrigerator this last summer. And as we look at person after person after person who was called into relationship with God and called to take steps of faith, we saw some run from it like Jonah. We saw some embrace it. We saw some kind of waffle on it. And it it paints a picture for us. Faithfulness is born of the Spirit. Gentleness. Sometimes translated meekness. Some of your scriptures have that. This is the humble and gentle attitude that is patiently submissive in every offense with no desire for revenge or retribution. The New Testament, uh, it's used to describe these three attitudes. Submission to the will of God, teachability, and consideration for other people. There are some of you um, that are that, that really have tripped out as, as you've grown in your Christian walk because what you've seen is this. You've seen yourself in thought, in attitude, and in deed change and become something brand new. People who you used to not be able to stand to be around for 30 seconds without getting annoyed, you find yourself caring for them. Shock of shocks, you find yourself considering their needs as more important than your own needs. And when you see those things grow up in you, it's a sign that God's at work in you because that's not from yourself, that's from Him. Finally, self-control refers to the restraining of passions and appetites, all these desires that are at war within us. Um, Again, the the, the word used, it's a great word. It just talks about over-desire. So it's not to kill all desire. Some uh, religious traditions in the past have tried to say all desire is bad and have tried to separate the flesh and the natural and the material from the spiritual. You know what shatters that for us? Jesus Christ, the Incarnation the holy, the divine, the eternal spirit taking on flesh and walking this earth. So we don't need to feel this separation. The idea is, God says, those are are things that the spirit produces in you, which is self-control. Now, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about these nine flavors that all grow up in one fruit and say, are there laws against these kinds of things? I mean, I want you to think about a neighbor that you would call the cops on. Because you would call the cops and say, uh, cops? Is that how they call you? Cops, I've got this neighbor, and every time I offend him, he's long-suffering and patient about it. I want you to come lock him up. Uh, I've got this neighbor who's super loving and chooses to love me despite my own unloveliness. Can you come lock him up? There are no laws that are against the fruit of the Spirit for this obvious and plain reason. These things build us up. These things build up the society. You listen to what the ideals are put out there. Uh, Ben and I, years ago, were praying about different ways to minister next door, and one of the fascinating things was uh, they had been handed, on top of all the scholastic requirements that they were supposed to teach our children, they had been handed what we just got done saying is the parent's job. 
We want you teachers, in addition to ABCs and 123s, we want you to teach about good choices and respect and chastity and truthfulness. And guess how many there were? 96. 96 character choices and character things that they wanted to do. As we were meeting with the principal, I looked over that list, and here's what I said to her. I said, you know what? Um, Off the top of my head, I just glanced at, at almost all of them. I said, Almost all of these are straight out of the Bible. These, these are straight out of the book. Is there a way we can partner with you in this? God's called us to specialize in these things. God called you to specialize in ABC 123. Man, is there a way that we can, that we can partner in this? There's no laws against these things because of the fact that they build up. The other reality, if you follow the law in Galatians, remember this. You could put a law on this, and I could stand up here and say, you will all be kind. Always. And here's the retribution if you're not kind. I'm saying this in a very unkind way. Are you catching that? That's putting a law on something, right? Now, how how much do you feel kindness back toward me when I put that law on you? Like, very little on the on the kindness meter, right? When God's Spirit fills us, we're actually given brand new desires such that, catch this, we want to be kind. Do you struggle with it? Say yes. Yes! Those are the warring desires. Those are the things that are fighting for control of you. But these new desires, there's no law that you could put on to to exact kindness from the heart, ever. But, but, we don't need the law. We have the new desires that God has been, has been giving to us. All right. If you've been hearing me talk about this, you know that you want this. You, you hear this say, I want in on this kind of fruit. How do I get it? Flip over to Galatians 3 for a moment. Galatians 3, 2, Paul writes this. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or... By hearing with faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So how do you get the Spirit? By hearing with faith. Not by works of the law. So the wrong way to go about this is to say, I really need to grow in, you fill it in. I'm going to go and read some books, head to some seminars, have some accountability, and study verses on it, and work my tail off. Are any of those things bad? No, not in and of themselves. But that's not the spirit of what this is talking about. If I could put it in a way that I hope is memorable and easy to to grab onto, here it is. Trust, don't try. The fruit of the Spirit is something that's been gifted to you. The Spirit has been gifted to you, and you don't manufacture the works of the Spirit. Anyone with beards this morning? Let me see. If you have a beard, hold it up proud. I want to see it. We got some, we got some beards. Yeah. Let's give it up for beards. I haven't ever clapped. In the, in the non-South, this may be the first time that clapping for beards has happened in a church service. I don't know that that happens regularly. We are cutting edge here. I'm telling you that. Um, all right, how many of you have fingernails? Let me see fingernails if you got fingernails. Let's wiggle them. Come on, Grace, let me see them. Let me see them wiggle. There you go. Uh, some of you still have some hair left, okay? 
Think about your hair for a moment, okay? Now, what I want you to do with your beard, your fingernails, and your hair is I want you to cause it to grow right now. Go. <laughs> right? Silly. Silliness to do that. Your beard and your hair and your fingernails, they grow for one simple reason. You know what that is? You're alive. You're alive and you're a human being. And a natural byproduct of that is we have to cut our fingernails once in a while. We have to trim our beard. My body thinks I want a beard because every single day it gives me one and I have to tell it, no, I don't want a beard, right? It just happens. I don't ask for it. It just goes on. We don't have to grunt and try and focus and block everything else out and guard to cause these things to grow. So it is with the Spirit of God who indwells a person. You are now a living spiritual being before God in such a way that these things will grow in you. That's a giant sigh of relief for us. This is good news for those of you who've been on the treadmill for long enough to realize, I can't keep this up. That's law living. That's I need to earn. That's the performance nightmare that can go on with people. All who are in Christ get the Holy Spirit. There have been fights about this throughout the entire age of the church about when does the Holy Spirit indwell a believer. Let me point to just your Bible and say, read through the book of Acts. A pattern you will see is this. Repent, belief, baptism, Holy Spirit. Don't ever let someone tell you that the Holy Spirit is going to leave you. We used to sing a song in youth group which said this, Take not thy spirit from me. That's an Old Testament prayer. And we had a problem with that, so we stopped singing it. Or we taught that, you know what, that's an old covenant thing. God will never leave us. That's your seal, and it's not, he's not going anywhere. He's with you to the end. The byproduct of this event of receiving the Holy Spirit is you're given gifts. How many of you have heard of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? That's a different passage for a different sermon, but that's something every single believer is supernaturally gifted to fit into the body. And fruit are produced from you. Great tasting fruit that grows and shows that you're his. Um, This gift that's given to you is, is free to you, but it's at great personal cost to Christ. If you look at Galatians 3, it says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us so that we would receive the promised spirit through faith. Christ became a curse so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you do with a gift? When you receive a gift, that's exactly what you do. You receive it, you open it up, and then you enjoy it. Galatians 5.25 is a verse that talks about how do we then partner with God in this? Do we just take the gift, set it on our most prominent place in our house, and let that emanate through every aspect of our life and hope that it all takes place? No. The Bible paints more of a picture of like a farmer, where a farmer's role is to plant, is to water, is to till up the soil and do these different things, but he's powerless to produce a harvest, right? That's dependent on things like weather patterns and the, the 
you know, miracle of growth and, and some other factors. And so we partner with God in that same way. Listen to Galatians 5 from the message on how we trust this and cooperate with God in this. The, the phrase we've been using over and over is walk by the Spirit. How do we walk in this? Here it is. He says, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That's Galatians 5.25 through the lens of Eugene Peterson. Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher from yesteryear and he said this, I looked at Christ and the dove of peace flew into my heart. I looked at the dove and it flew away. Here's his point. The real prize is Christ. Keep your eyes on Christ and as a byproduct in your peripheral vision, you will see these fruits being produced. You ever try to get peace or be more peaceful? peace. I'm not peaceful right now. This is not peaceful as I try to get peace. Keep your eyes on Christ. Peace comes. The fruit of the Spirit grows in you. So that's the warning as we march through this. Band, why don't you come on up? Uh, This morning, when I slipped from complete unconsciousness into the conscious world, um, I prayed this prayer. God, today I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to you. Thank you. That's it. Short prayer. Last week I gave you some verses that focused more on the dead to sin part of it. Some of you said, hey, we couldn't write that fast. It's on the website. It's on our podcast. It's on the city. You can get them there. This week I want to put the same exact prayer up there, dead to sin, alive to God, with a few uh, verses just kind of focusing on, on our being alive to God. So today I have passed from death to life, and Christ now lives in me. Today, I will remember and live out the reality that I'm alive to God and live for Him in all things. Today, God's Spirit will lead me into all truth and has made me brand new. And today, nothing will be more important, more valuable, or more pleasurable than being alive to God. Same thing, I will post these for you later on so you don't need to feel rushed to write them in. I'd rather you just soak in the biblical truth I just handed to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the mystery that you give to us. You've revealed the things you want us to know and there are secret things that belong to you. God, we praise you that you are guiding us into all truth even now. We thank you, God, that week after week as we gather uh, in a big forum like this, in homes uh, and across coffee shop tables, God, and we open your word as we look to you, Spirit, to lead and guide us, um, that you're right here and present with us. I pray for a submission. I pray for followership to be esteemed and valued and talked about. God, traits that are almost becoming extinct. I pray, God, that we would long for faithfulness, that we'd be a church marked by meekness and patience and 
love. God, grow these things up in us. We submit to you, we yield to you in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray.